I was shopping in a supermarket, one that I had never been in before, but it was incredibly big. Bigger than any other supermarket I've ever been in. It was super full of people. Social distancing was not happening. Everyone was super close to each other and they weren't really paying attention to being in anyone's way. I didn't really think of this at the time as I was dreaming, but it was something I definitely thought of when I woke up as I was just a woman on a mission trying to get through. I was struggling to buy soap and I managed to find two little bottles out of the blue just on a plinth a promotional plinth. I had some other items in my basket that I have forgotten what they are, but they were important to me. Things that I have been searching for and wanted to hold on to dearly. I'd also placed my purse and another important item of mine in my basket that I didn't want to lose. After managing to escape through all the people, getting what I thought I needed and wanted to get home so dearly, I realised I was not holding my basket anymore. Where it was, I have no idea. But I'd managed to get to the end of the supermarket and knew I needed to find it as I couldn't go on without having these items in my life. So I rushed through this giant supermarket, trying to find it everywhere and everywhere. And then I woke up, gasping, feeling a slight bit of panic and then having to remind myself that, Heidi, you've just been dreaming. That you didn't lose what you thought you had and that everything is still here. And it was scary at the time, but now it made me actually think that at this moment in time you are desperately trying to keep hold of things that you've had or things that you know are comforting because that's what you can have here and now. But I think the dream and waking up actually made me realise that there is still hope and that things will be okay again. Guess what, bitch? <laughs> Coronavirus! Coronavirus! Get it real! Get it get it real! Get it real! Coronavirus! Hey guys, it's me, Darby. This is a show mostly about how people are coping through the coronavirus crisis, but there are lots of shows out there featuring experts and facts and figures and news and all that stuff. This is not that show. This is just me talking with people I know about how they're getting through this stuff. The voice you heard at the top was my friend Heidi with a shopping anxiety dream. I think a version of this dream has been had by many of us. Um, as we're going through the coronavirus stuff, that feeling of um, not being able to get the things you need to survive, I think, is really common. And we, I certainly have had, I don't know how many dreams about being in tight spaces with people not respecting social distancing. So I think that's a really common one. Thanks, Heidi, for sending that in. Today on the show, I talk with my friends, Steve and Nick, who are married architects living in a tiny New York City apartment. I wanted to have them on to discuss what it's like to be on lockdown with your partner when the only door in your apartment goes to your bathroom. <laughs> well, they've been married for a long time and they've always lived in small spaces, but New York City living is not about being in your apartment for most people. Those of you who um, live outside NYC, you've at least heard about how small the living spaces there are. Um, that apartment on Friends, 
that's not a real place that people who work in a coffee shop could ever afford. Um, the living spaces are tiny. And so people do their working and their socializing outside of the home. And so I wanted to kind of just check in with them about how they're handling it two months in. But first, da -da 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 -da, three good things. These are three things that made me smile this week, even though I feel pretty shitty most of the time. Number one, street bingo. One of our neighbors has organized a bingo game on our little block. We have a we live on a block that dead ends at Clapham Common, the park, on one end and at another road on the on the other end. Like we're the only road that's called Bowood Road. And so our name we live I don't know how many houses are on this block, maybe 25, 26, something like that. Anyway, we have a neighbor who slides bingo cards under our doors every Thursday, and then we come out to our doorsteps to play. He gets out in the middle of the road with a bullhorn um, and a bingo setup to call out numbers, and people win prizes that neighbors have donated. His kid delivers them contactlessly, of course, via scooter. Now, I found London to be kind of like New York in that it's pretty rare that you actually meet your neighbors, but we finally have um, from at least six feet away, of course, and they're pretty great. So street bingo, highly recommended. It's super fun. Number two, Roz and Craig, my partners from Everything Acting, are broadcasting their family dinners on Instagram Live every night. And I know that the like on its face, that probably sounds super boring. But if you remember from a few episodes ago, they are parenting an especially difficult teenager at the moment. And watching them try to have like a conversation with this kid every night as they ate dinner is somehow mesmerizing and hilarious. And I watch it every day. And you should too. It's it, they air it on Roz's Instagram, I think, which is I Roz app. Of course, I'll put a note in the show notes. And then number three, this one actually hasn't made me smile yet, except for like beaming smile of anticipation, because I'm so confident that I'm going to love it. YouTube is airing one of the most iconic Prince concerts ever all weekend. It's I think it's already up. I think they started airing it last night, which would be Thursday, May 14th. Today's Friday, May 15th. And they're going to keep it up there until Sunday evening. So make sure you see it. It's only going to be up there for a few days. I'm getting a bunch of my Prince-loving Minnesota friends together for a virtual watch party. And I am sure that it will make me smile from ear to ear. Um, It's, it's from 1985. So it's really like, it's peak Prince, man. I was like, I've already, I've already seen the set list and I'm, I'm just, I can't wait to see it. There's apparently like a 20 minute version of Purple Rain. So check it out. All right. Next up, Steve Bemke, Bumke, Steven, I just realized that I've never said your last name out loud. <laughs> I've only ever seen it on um, social media. So I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, but Steve Bumke, Bemke, I don't know. And Nicholas Coster, <laughs> affectionately known in my phone as Stevie Nicks. It's good to see you. It's good to see you, too. It's good to see you, too. Um, so my first question is always just... How are you feeling? Nicholas, how are you feeling? How am I feeling? Um, some days I'm feeling pretty good. Some days I'm feeling pretty, pretty lost. So mm. yeah, I think it, it was really interesting for me the, the first week of, of this and thinking from then until fast forward to seven weeks now and realizing that I think actually during that first week, I was actually having little panic attacks where I was actually just not really knowing what was going on and, you know, what was going to happen, how long would this be? And I, I think things have settled into a 
bit more of a rhythm and tried to make life a bit more predictable um, to, to give myself a sense of calmness, um, to make sure that I'm feeling good um, and doing what I can, like going for a run or, you know, if I need to take a walk in the middle of the day, making sure that I creating time for myself to give myself the headspace outside of everything that's going on around us yeah how's you how are you feeling in your body um feeling decent i'd have to say um i was training for the brooklyn half marathon prior to this and sort of going on one or two longer runs the week and once um the gyms closed and didn't really do classes or any of the other types of workout routines that had been part of my life I just jumped on to doing a full half marathon training program so making sure that I'm staying active and, and feeling healthy um, you know I think as far as like body health I'm feeling good but I miss the the mental aspect of being able to connect with others while while working out I think that was mm. a nice part of my day that is no longer there that it's I think in a way it's both body health and, and mental health and the the communities that you have that are for that create both of those things I think are really important and they're both definitely missing right now yeah they're really intertwined for for me I think and I think that's I, I my sense is that that's true about both of you as well yeah I think the the structure is really important for me I've definitely been feeling like I'm completely lacking that since this started mm. and that has made it harder than I think it otherwise would be. I, I think it's difficult because we're in such a small space and mentally waking up in the morning in a bed that's literally like 12 inches away from our desk is just mm. not a healthy thing. And I've found that probably my best days during this have been days when in the morning I was able to get myself out of bed and go outside and get some exercise before I start my day. If I try to exercise after the work day, for some reason that just seems to add on to this sense of being drained and lethargic. Hmm. So yeah, I mean it's it's been a roller coaster. It's not it hasn't been pleasant and I'm I'm thankful that at least the city has kept the parks open because mm -hmm. at one point they were talking about possibly closing the parks and I think for people like us who live in such small spaces the parks are kind of a lifeline. Yeah, I'm with you on that. They've been they've been talking about they they threaten us every single weekend here that, you know, guys, if you don't respect the rules, we're going to close the parks, you know, we're going to have to. And they have closed a couple of them. Thank goodness they're not our park. <laughs> because <laughs> It's because you're so well behaved. <laughs> I am well behaved. <laughs> but, but I mean, occasionally, occasionally, I leave the house more than once. I'm not gonna lie. But um, that, that, that that's, that's only occasionally and I'm I'm really I'm really conscious of the six foot barrier the people I find yeah. that, that are not conscious of it and I know this is not you Nick or you Steve but there are runners who come up behind me and I and I'm always walking with I always have my earbuds in and maybe I should you know adopt the rule that I do when I'm on my bike which is that I only have one 
in so I can hear better, but um, they come, the runners come up so close behind me. And I always, I just, it's all I can do not to be like, fuck off, you dick. So what's it like in New York? Cause it, because you're even, I'm, we live in what feels like Brooklyn to me here. We're like, we're, we're just off of Clapham Common. Um, so what's it like, you know, in Chelsea? It's pretty much been a ghost town. What's interesting is that since this started, downtown like very quickly seemed to have emptied out and at first it was like is it just that people have left or is it that people are being hyper disciplined and not coming outside in hell's kitchen it sounds like the sidewalks are pretty crowded like we have friends who live there and have kids and they've actually said that they feel a little uncomfortable going out on the sidewalks just because it's so crowded it's impossible to maintain anything close to six feet of separation mm. but it's it's not like that down here at all i think a lot of it has to do with like all the rich people have left yeah. And it, these are like higher income zip codes. And I think it's just indicative of the way that this has really kind of exposed the class divide in the city. Yeah. You know, like all the rich people are pretty well insulated from what's going on. And then the essential people who are out there having to do work, like it's just they're they have to go about their day and it's like they're in a more crowded area and therefore are higher risk yeah and trying not to think about these things too much because it's just really depressing frankly yeah <laughs> yeah it is man I, I i have noticed it it's this even just doing this show has laid bare to me where where i am where i sit on the class level because even just the people that i'm interviewing i'm like man everybody that i talk to I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking to many essential people who are out, who are out, who are being forced to go out working almost. I mean, I think everybody so far is either laid off or, and receiving unemployment or they are working from home. And so I've, I've been, and I've been thinking about it going, I, I need to talk to like some essential workers who are out there working. And it's like, it's been hard, to, you know, it, may, it makes me uncomfortable to admit this, but it's been hard for even me to make a list of people that I might um, contact to interview. We should put you in touch with our friend James. I was having a conversation with him yesterday, mm. and it was after the the Blue Angels flyover mm. happened. And he he lives in a lower income neighborhood in Brooklyn, and he was like, you know, a we couldn't even see that. So any essential worker who lives in this neighborhood like doesn't even really know that it happened, and b he was talking about how he's starting to feel pretty annoyed seeing people talking about the seven o'clock clap thing every night because he was like, it's radio silence in my neighborhood. And I think wow. it's because like, it's all essential workers here and all the people, like he was specifically saying Fort Greene, but mm -hmm. he was like the higher income neighborhoods, everybody's out there clapping and the people they're clapping for don't even, they can't even hear it. Oh, that makes me so sad. And so I, I thought it was kind of an eye-opening conversation. He definitely has a different perspective on things. Yeah, because when I think about these, the essential workers that I know are like doctors and nurses, and they're so freaking busy and exhausted that I, they don't want to talk to me right now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's no time or energy to process anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's go back to um, 
your your living space. Nick, I want you to kind of take the listeners through like an audio tour of of the space that you live in so they can get an idea of, you know, how um, confined you you both are right now. Steve and I live in a uh, a railroad apartment. So this was a, a former tenement building that would, it's uh, five stories high. It's a walk up. Um, so we're on the fourth floor and we live on one quarter of that floor. And so um, our apartment faces the street and we have um, 400, about 450 square feet in our apartment. And so that's definitely much smaller than probably most people's garage. Um, and uh, so this apartment probably at one point had um, four or more um, dock workers work living in it. So it's definitely a, not a, a, a space that's um, been, a, that, that, or it's a type of space that has been um, thought about for having, um, you know, a, a good amount of people in it. But um, as far as modern living, it's, it's pretty tight for modern living standards. Um, we have a, a small, you open our front door, you walk in and there's a, a small um, breakfast nook where we can fit um, the two of us comfortably. You have a dinner for four, that would be pretty tight. We have a one bathroom that is, uh, we're, we're both architects, I should mention that, that we, um, we designed the space ourselves. So uh, it's definitely um, economized to fit um, storage and sort of everything you might want. So we have a small washer and dryer, which has been great and super handy and helpful to have. We have, um, you know, full appliances in our kitchen. So I, I think we haven't run our dishwasher, you know, less than twice a day, which is just sh shocking. And we have a, a, a pretty small living room that fits pretty small love seat that's sized for, for small New York City apartments. And then our, our bedroom is probably about, I think, 10 by 11 square feet and has a uh, full-size bed in it. We're also both um, six foot four, so that's, um, we've been <laughs> sharing a full-size bed for the past, uh, I guess, I don't even remember how many years. Steve will correct me if I'm wrong, but 13, 14 years. <laughs> Maybe it's like, I think 15. <laughs> I think 15. Okay. Do you both hang off? Do you, you must hang off the edge. I can't, I can't, I might, my husband's 6'3", and we, um, we've been blessed to be in a king size bed as long as we've been together. But when we have to stay in a full, his feet fall off the edge. <laughs> it's more of a spooning type of situation. <laughs> it's forced spooning. <laughs> um, and so what, what actually, I mean, what we've been really been, fortunate um, of in our current living situation is that we do have a, a built-in desk in our bedroom and for the past um, you know uh, I guess we've now had our place renovated for about eight years and we haven't really used that desk that much um, we were doing most mm -hmm. of our work in the office and we were thinking that oh why don't we rip the desk out and get a, a queen size bed and we'll we'll enjoy our, our space a bit more but we've been ever so thankful that we kept the desk and have not upgraded our, our bed size because now we're spending probably 16 to 20 hours a day in that that one space um, because it's both our, our sleeping area and our, our working area. Yeah. And I, you know, I've been working from home for, oh gosh, like, I'm going to say since about like 2002, 2003, so a long time. And the first 
Oh, four years of that, I was living with a man and we had about a 350 square foot studio. We had one room, just a studio apartment. And we both worked from home, but it was just like, I was younger then. And I was so hungry and I wanted to do this so badly that I was just, uh, you know, he would sit over there and put headphones on and he was working on learning, teaching himself how to to do web design so that he could get out of a dying music industry. And I was pursuing a voiceover career. Thank God that he had the... I don't know if the situations were reversed. If I was having to sit there listening to him do all commercial auditions all day long, the relationship would have survived as long as it did. But <laughs> one of the things they teach you when you have a little more space is not to have your desk in your bedroom. It's really, it's really bad juju. So talk about that a little bit. Sure. No, it 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 is pretty bad juju. And I think for the first two or three weeks, um, it was bothering me a lot. Um, I think I've gotten over it. I've been able to, to divorce the two. Um, one, one thing I think that's pretty interesting about our living situation to, to add on to that is that um, we don't really have many doors inside our apartment. We have mm-hmm. two closets that contain our clothes and then our bathroom has a door. So our bathroom has become the de facto phone booth. Um, <laughs> with, with my work, uh, I'm, I'm managing quite a few people and I have to have a lot of phone conversations all day. And there's really nowhere for, um, for me to get away from Steve or Steve to get away from me if mm. one of us isn't in the bathroom. So the bathroom has become sort of the uh, the office phone booth that will either just look at each other or, you know, like make a face at the other person. And we know that it's time to <laughs> to head over to the phone booth. <laughs> I like last a... <laughs> night, I was told to go to the phone booth. Oh my God, that's so funny. I had an uncle um, who used to spend, he, he was a single um, father and he had a, a young, I don't know, he had like two kids that were like my age. And at the time we were, we were about 12 and then he had this six-year-old and I swear to God, he would go into the bathroom and like <laughs> ostensibly to do what you normally do in a, in a bathroom. He would go in there for like two hours. And I remember my cousins being like, Bethy, this is all your fault. Dad hides in the bathroom because you're so annoying. <laughs> so <laughs> that sounds like a somewhat similar situation. <laughs> Yeah. So how's how's so how's the relationship holding up? How like how how are you managing this? I, I think we've done probably better than we would we would have expected. I mean, we we I think we've only had like one minor argument all this time, which I think is really good. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, it's a, before we always would talk about like oh we wish we had more time to spend together because we're always at work all the time, and mm-hmm. now it's like be careful what you wish for. <laughs> because it's like now it's been good going out for runs on our own I think just to have a little bit of space because it's just we're on top of each other Mm. here and it's there's really nowhere to just be alone for a little bit and I I think we all need that to a certain point and also like just to have some inspiration and something to talk about because we get to the point now it's like there's nothing to talk about because we witness everything that happens in both of our days all day long. Mm-hmm. Nick, you were going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say that I, I think actually having, um, when we moved to New York, I guess a little over 12 years ago, um, our first apartment, I think similar to the one you were mentioning, Darby, we, I'll, I'll one-up you, I think we were in 250 square feet um, in, our, in our first apartment. And I, I think just the the experience of having um, lived together in such small spaces for 
you know, the, the majority of our, our relationship is that, that, that I think has given us a very close bond and also, um, you know, there's really nowhere to get away from the other person if they're annoying you. So you need to um, embrace those, those habits that they might have that uh, you might find a little unsettling and um, just, just learn to have that be part of your life. Yeah. So, so are you saying I have annoying habits? (laughs) (laughs) No comment. (laughs) So Kelvin and I have, um, we've got quite a bit more room here than we did in our New York city apartment, but it's still a small flat. Like we've got three small bedrooms, one of which is my studio. And then we have, uh, but we have two floors, which has been Uh, really good. And, and, and the fact that my studio is you know, practically soundproof. Like I can come in here, shut the door, and it's like I'm in my own little, um, you know, cocoon. I'm just not spending. I'm not used to spending this much time in here. But one one thing that has been really helpful for us, and I I get the impression that perhaps your circadian rhythms are similar, because of um, how you used to attend my morning classes. So for me, I'm as you know, I like to get up early in the morning. Kelvin likes to stay up late at night and and sleep in a little bit later. So I have a couple of hours usually in the morning to myself, and then he's got a couple of hours in the evening to himself, which is good. And my sense, um, I'm going to guess that in your relationship, Nick is the one who likes to get up earlier, and Steve is the one who likes to stay up later. Am I wrong on that? That is definitely 100% correct. (laughs) Bingo. I just remember how hard it was, Stephen, for you sometimes to get to class in the morning, but, you know. That is true. Yeah, no, it, I, it's good being with Nick because it forces better early morning habits, but it's def- it definitely doesn't come to me naturally. Yeah, but are you taking advantage, can you take advantage of that a little bit um, in your current, like with, with both of you being there at the, all, at the same time? Do you still have a little space to read or watch TV or something after he goes to bed? I'm really good at falling asleep. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Steve can do pretty much whatever he wants after I go to bed and I won't be bothered. That is a blessing. That's kind of how Calvin is too. I could actually, all the things that I'm talking about doing, I could definitely do like right next to him in bed and he or he wouldn't even know. If I woke up in the morning and decided I wanted to do 30, 60, 90 on the floor next to him, he'd probably sleep through it. <laughs> Um, so, okay, I, I, um, I don't really want to keep you too much longer, but I do have this. My last question that I have for everybody is what is the positive thing you've learned or have discovered since the lockdown, since the crisis, since the pandemic started? I'll give you an example from uh, my perspective, and then you tell me if you've discovered something similar. So one of the things that, that has been really positive for me is that I have um, discovered the joy of working out outside and just being outside more. Like I, like I'm just as you know, I just go. I get on my bike. I go to the gym, and I come home, and I'm inside all the time. Um, and so I've really discovered the joy of working out in the park, and that's been a positive that I was not expecting. Is has there been anything like that for you? I think one thing that um, I've noticed and I think also have started to enjoy is um, life was moving really fast before this happened. Um, And just the fact that now I get to go have my time in the morning, which I did, you know, prior to this um, work from home and uh, experience, but I get to come home, uh, have a cup of coffee, be very, I think, civilized about how I'm starting my day, um, which before it was always 
running, you know, 200 miles an hour and um, getting home, making dinner, going to bed, waking up. It's just, I think that there's been a, a bit of a slowing down to the routine, which has been really helpful, a bit of a reset mm. in that way. I think in the culture in New York is just so high paced and fast moving that something like this just helps put a lot into perspective. Yeah, I like that. Stephen, how about you? I, I think that just in general, it's made me feel very appreciative of a lot of different things. Not only the fact that both busy with work, um, but also just really thinking about our friendships with people. Like, I, I don't think under normal circumstances, you realize how important these things are to you until it's been taken away. You know, like there's a limit to the extent of like contact that you have with people over Zoom happy hours. <laughs> it's just not the same thing. Yeah. And I, I don't think I realized how important that aspect of our lives was to me. Like we're very social people and it's something that just has always kind of happened. And now that we aren't able to do that in, in any sort of normal way, like it's been really eye-opening and I it, it just... That I think that's what I'm looking forward to most at the return to hopeful, mm -hmm. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully eventually return to some sort of normalcy, like just being able to be with our friends. Yeah. I want to hug somebody besides Calvin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a good hug, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that that's the thing I miss because I like I like I it you know maybe surprising for you guys to hear this but I'm really m mostly an introvert but I really crave that one to two hours a day where I'm I'm in a group of people help like working out with them and that's just been man I can't wait to get back teaching. Yeah, well, when you <sighs> when you said the other day that you are an introvert, it was like oh okay that that makes everything make a lot more sense because <laughs> you're so. <laughs> intensely extroverted during class in the morning that I for me like from my perspective it was like oh my god that takes so much energy I couldn't be like that all the time but now it makes more sense because yeah. that's not your whole day that's just a piece of it yeah and then and then and I'm very 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 happy to be alone for you know eight or ten hours after that and then have a man in my life or the man in my life um, <laughs> with me in the evenings <laughs> let me be clear the the man <laughs> <laughs> now that I found, now that I finally found the right one. Um, so, <laughs> um, okay. I think we're good guys. Unless there's anything, is there anything else that any other advice you have for, for people who are living in tiny little spaces that we didn't, that we didn't cover? I think the biggest piece of advice is just patience. Like you can't let little things bother you because you'll go insane. It's just not worth it. <laughs> Yeah, you got to pick your battles, right? Yeah, exactly. But that's, I think that's probably a good advice for any relationship in any size dwelling. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Nick? Do you have any final, any final thoughts? Yeah, the benefits of having a full-sized refrigerator were we do not, and um, that would be really, really nice right about now. Oh, my God. And can we just talk about all the dishes? <laughs> Oh my God, I'm so sick of doing the dishes. 
<laughs> it's like it's endless. It, it, it never ends. That that's the thing. And the, my, my listeners have heard me tell this story a hundred times because I I I just find it so funny. Calvin and I never fight. We got into a fight four hours after he started working from home, and it was over dishes. <laughs> and so. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we both that's got a sign of a healthy marriage <laughs> <laughs> it's like dude if you're gonna be here like if you're gonna be here for the, the, the for the next i don't know how long you got to put up your fucking plates oh <laughs> 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 um, all right steven and nicholas thank you so much i'm gonna um i'm gonna with your permission post both of your instagrams on um in the show notes because I think you're both really good follows. Um, your architect's eyes are really um, sometimes put out some really beautiful things. So if that's okay with you, I'll, I'll share that with the, with the people. Sure. Sure. Thank you, Darby. All right. Well, it was really good to see you and to hear your voices. I love you. I want you to remember that it hasn't always been like this and it's not always going to be like this. Thank you, Darby. Same to you. Thank you, Darby. And that's the show. If you want to follow Steve and or Nick, I will post links to their Instagram as promised in the show notes. And if you'd like to catch up with me, my stuff will be there too, along with the donation links if you'd like to support the show and the workouts that I pop into this feed occasionally. I think the next thing I'm going to throw into the feed is going to be a meditation. I haven't done one of those in a while. And so I feel like, I feel like it's, um, I, I feel like we need one that has something to do with patience because I see lockdown orders getting, you know, extended. I think June, I think New York just went all the way to June 16th. I know Minnesota got extended again. So it's tough, man. It's not super fun. Um, so maybe something about patience and stillness will be the next thing that I throw into the feed. Anyway, I thank you for your donations. You guys have been really generous and are helping to make up for the money that I have lost from my gym jobs, which I think aren't going to be back till sometime in the fall. So I appreciate you. Thanks for your help. Um, and I will talk to you next time.